Hi everyone, welcome back to Mentoring Nature Connections. 2022 hasn't exactly been the start of the school year that we were all hoping for. I'm hoping that everyone is still staying healthy and safe, and I'm hopeful that we'll make it through to the other side. Thank you to everyone who has reached out about my first book, Me and My Sit Spot. It is available on Amazon and other online platforms. If you follow me on Twitter at LKMcLean, that's M-A-C-L-E-A-N, or on Instagram at Mentoring Nature Connections, I will make an announcement as soon as it's available on the website www.mentoringnatureconnections.ca. Brilliant. All right, now let's dig into mentoring our own nature connections with one another. Hi, everyone. I'm Lauren McLean, and I live on Heritage Mountain in Port Moody, British Columbia. To the west of me, I overlook the Burrard Inlet, which is a coastal fjord beginning at the Strait of Georgia and the Pacific Ocean. To the east of me are the Golden Ears Mountains. I'm so grateful to be living on this land of the Quiquitlam First Nations. Today's topic is about reflecting on the last few months and then setting plans as we look forward, something I'm sure we are all doing right now with the new year on our heels. April Pickerinen is back to share her experiences doing outdoor prep for teachers at her school. For those of you who aren't from our province of BC, we have preparation blocks here where another teacher will relieve you of your learners so that you can prep learning materials, do assessments, etc. So thank you for returning back to the podcast, April, and Happy New Year. How are you? New Year, Lauren. It is so good to be back. Thank you for having me. And it's I'm excited to to share a little bit of our journey together. I am too. So let's get started. I'd love to begin by asking you about the highlights of your outdoor learning experiences spanning from September to December. Hey, so this is my second year at Gilmore Elementary. And I really have noticed that setting up routines in September went much more smoothly now that I know the school context and I know some of the learners. Uh, We set up some of our nature routines like gratitude circle, nature walks, sit spots. As I'm doing that, I was also um, observing and noticing what students are, are interested in. And um, I've noticed that there's a big difference between classes that I've had last year as in, a, in outdoor learning um, compared to with classes who are new to outdoor learning. Right. And is the biggest thing there with Um, the difference between your old learners and sort of the new learners that you have, is it about how slowly you have to introduce the routines or are you still setting up the routines the same way you would? Oh, for sure. Like much slower. We take it at a slower pace. We practice at all the different locations outdoors just so we can get used to what does that look like when, uh, when Madame calls the Eagle call and everyone comes together Or what does that look like when we find our sit spots or when we are going on a nature walk to different parts of our school grounds? So setting up those expectations and slowing down for um, students who are new to outdoor learning has been supportive. And then for students who have had experience, they, I was really surprised that they remembered a lot of our nature routines and um, we can kind of just almost like get going right away. Right. Now you did mention an eagle call. One of your teachers does that. So does that mean you have different calls for different reasons when you're outdoors? No, we only have one. It's actually um, a little whistle that's shaped as an eagle. So we call it the eagle call. It sounds a little bit like that high pitched 
um, eagle sound. And so it's just differentiating that between like that kind of whistle and a regular whistle, which, which other teachers might use when they're outdoors, just so they can get a sense of um, where I am. Right. Things like that. Yeah. Excellent. And I know you guys were doing a lot of uh, work at your school around connection to place. Did you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Um, I noticed that when students were experiencing um, playing games and going on our nature walks, the students who experienced outdoor learning last year, they remember playing certain games in different areas like Raven Spy or um, you know, fire in the forest in, in different places. And they also remembered the place names that we had co-constructed together last year. And at a workshop um, earlier this year by an organization called Unlearn, I learned that names are the beginning of someone's story. And I would argue that names are the beginnings of stories in general. And so I, I have really noticed this year um, giving names to places that we visit has really helped to ground our learners' connection to that place and, and even their expectations of what to play and what to do in that area. I completely yeah. agree. And I love that you're giving names to those spaces, the, the variety of learning spaces that you have at your school. I think not only does that help learners attach expectation to different areas, um, probably lessens their anxiety if they're going to areas and they they can call it something like uh, I know at our last school that we were at mm -hmm. that, they had that tree tunnel area and when we went to the the tree tunnel yeah. the learners knew what to expect so it lessened anxiety there weren't as many questions or or um, unruly behaviors <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. so I think in general those sort of expectations and routines are really lovely to hear about and mm -hmm. Does it, and did you keep the same names from last year to this year for the different spaces? Yeah, we have. Okay. We thought about changing it as we were, as we were building. So for example, um, in, in one of our, our spaces, it's called Shady Forest that the, the students have named. And um, last year we noticed lots of leaves and all of that. But this year, that group of students, some of them had had experience with nature learning last year. And we were in Shady Forest and they were really interested in building shelters for animals. And we, we thought about, oh, you know, Shady Forest and shelters. And, you know, it, do you want to change this to a different name? Is there, is there a different name that we can name this place to help you remember? And they all agree that it should just stay as Shady Forest. So I think they must have some sort of special connection and to the memories and stories that they have in that place. Absolutely. I love, I love that connection between place and names and stories. Cause I think, especially when we're considering um, decolonization of land, it really is important, especially with language and stories mm -hmm. and bringing in multiple perspectives. So I think you're doing um, a lovely job sort of in terms of um, especially in terms of um, the calls to action. So great job. I find that very inspirational. Is there any other sort of highlight from September to December? Um, yeah, I guess I can share a little bit about like one of the projects that really surprised me. Um, I guess part of the, the gift of being the prep teacher, you know, providing preps for, for classroom teachers is that 
it's really challenged me in a way to find the art of teaching, um, especially in the outdoors, that we really have to be grounded in the purpose and intention of setting out an activity or setting out a learning experience while balancing the different changing elements of the weather, of students' energy, and really noticing all those little nuances. Because if it's if I had planned something and it's all of a sudden pouring rain, you know, we might have to change our plan a little bit, or depending on the student's energy level, we might have to change the way that we um, engage outdoors. And so when I provide prep, I am grateful that this is an opportunity to bring staff alongside um, as we experience outdoor learning. And that, you know, because we have um, our e-portfolio as an assessment tool, I use that as a way to kind of show oh, this is what we're engaging with in outdoors and how we're connecting to the curriculum. So in particular, um, one of two of the classes in the grade one, two class, they were the ones who were really interested in building shelters for animals. They found they are like stick collectors for sure. They found big sticks, little sticks and all of that. And I thought that this was just going to be like a, you know, one month kind of inquiry. We looked at birds' nests. We looked at... Um, little insects and worms and we we looked in the garden where do worms live and I thought that was kind of it but every time we went out that's all they asked to do and they said can we build a shelter can we do this and they started to notice it's not just building um or I guess they started to notice a different way to create a base that would create a stronger shelter mm -hmm. um one student I remember he found a really long stick and he stuck it in the ground. It took him a while. I think some kids came and helped too and stuck it to the ground and they started leaning other sticks against it as a way to um, support it. And so I, I saw that and I was like, wow, I was super surprised that not only has this inquiry carried on, but it has really become student driven. And I think back to kind of what our work even as like as our K teacher days um, around self-regulated learning, looking at you know what is the purpose and intention of this activity? What do I need to get my job done? And then reflecting on how to make it better or what my next steps are. I saw that in action as these students were going out building. And so that was really nice to see. Well, and it's an amazing kind of full circle story where you as the educator are sort of learning alongside them with their inquiry and you're not forcing anything and you're not closing any doors. What I think would be overwhelming for some is that open-endedness and not knowing how to assess or document. So I love that you brought up that you do e-portfolios. So I imagine, so correct me if I'm wrong, that you're taking <laughs> photos and you're taking anecdotal notes of what the students are learning. And then you are, you know, the curriculum in the back of your head. So you're able to make those curricular and core competency connections as you go along to sort of uncover the curriculum with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And also through um, questioning, I find for me, at least it's helpful even just writing down a couple big ideas that I want to touch on. Um, and then, you know, for, for example, even just some words like interconnectedness or relationships. So in every interaction that I am seeing with students, I would try to weave in questions about those to help draw out 
what the curriculum competencies or curricular competencies um, might be and to notice it for the students. And then I guess another thing that has been helpful for um, teachers, I hope, um, is starting an interactive bulletin board where, again, I would take the pictures that I have taken outdoors and I just put it up. And the main question is just what core competencies do you notice? And then I put a little stack of sticky notes and students can go, teachers can go, they can just add the sticky notes to you know, what they might see in those moments. And I think that has been, um, it's been valuable for students to see themselves um, on like kind of their learning visibly and also for teachers to connect that. Absolutely. And that they're seeing that it's changing, that these uh, core competencies aren't static. Yeah. Yeah. And then it grows. And sometimes you might look at a picture and you're like, oh, that's for sure collaboration. And someone else might come and say, well, actually, it could be critical thinking. Maybe they're doing a discussion we don't know through just a picture. And so it, it sparks conversations about um, how we connect the curriculum to the outdoors. Right. Perfect. And I know um, December, um, you guys had, I mean, we all had some interesting weather in December. So how did your school handle um, learners being prepared for uh, outdoors? Yeah, I mean, that's still definitely, um, you know, a little, a little growing pathway or a little growing journey for all of us. Um, part of it is, through our week at a glance, we always have a section about reminders of what to bring. Um, we've started to put visuals of you know specific things. So for example, in the fall, when it's raining, a rain jacket is a great idea. In December, when it's raining, we might need to have two or three layers under the rain jacket so that you know we can have waterproofness and warmth. Um, and so that's one way. Another way is really just talking with the students about, you know, is what you're wearing, look outside. Do you think, do you think that's a safe choice of, of your, what you're wearing? Uh, making sure that if they do choose to have no rain jacket, that they do have extra clothes to change into. Um, and then one teacher actually started a little checklist that she gets her students to do um, every weekend. So they, they come to school on Monday with the checklist to make sure, okay, I've packed my rain boots. I packed, you know, all of these things. So that was, that was a really great idea. Um, I thought that she suggested. And then another thing that we started this year at our school was inspired by Megan Zenny um, and, and her work over at another school in Richmond. And they have a, I think she calls it like an outdoor clothing like lending library. Um, and so we're really grateful that, that many of our families have donated to our outdoor learning um, clothing library. So we have a little section with extra boots, um, jackets and um, rain pants. And I totally stole this idea from Megan, like totally not us, um, but you put, you put a little bit of um, duct tape on the jacket so that if teachers find it in their, in the cloakroom, they know it, it just goes back to the the library area. That's such so, a smart trick. It sounds like you've had an incredible few months. So taking all of those experiences, what are your plans for the next few months? Um, I mean, it's always nice to hear what other educators are planning on doing 
sort of from January to March because it helps us think about our own plans selfishly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that, I mean, I was inspired by, you know, some of the produce that we've been to around like Reggio Math um, projects. And so I, I part of it really depends on student interest, but I'm really hoping that there is a way to weave it all in where we can start to tell the story of the land of Gilmore through data collection. So mm-hmm. maybe looking at, you know, what are the, how many trees live on our school grounds, what kinds of trees and using maybe some sort of um, like identification app to connect how, how do I know what kind of tree lives at our school? What kind of flowers? What are some, what are some um, in like native, native plants or um, invasive plants? Um, and, and looking at the difference between the two using, using technology, I guess, I guess my big thing would be weaving in technology authentically into our outdoor learning. So through that identification app or even using just the photo as a simple tool to help us look closely. Um, you know, now that the iPads have some, some of them have like that macro right. option where you can really zoom in. Like, I know that we, we had thought about it and um, yeah, just looking at how, how can we weave in technology into what we do? Right. And I know it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be bringing your iPads out into the snow. But as you said, if you're going to go out and snap just a couple photos, mm-hmm. you can bring that back in the classroom and do so much with those photos on smart boards, up on projector screens. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then even looking at, um, you know, bird language. I know in the fall, we always heard so many birds and I'm still learning how to identify them just through their songs Um, because often we hear them before we even see them and so by the time I spot them like maybe it's they've kind of gone and so um, using that Merlin song ID app to practice and just practice listening for the different patterns in bird language Um, maybe using a digital microscope when we're outside just to help us even look closely and and notice that relationship between living beings that are that we might not necessarily see often or hear often oh that's so exciting you've got some great goals there for the next few months So to help you with those goals, do you have any books that you're planning on using for your own professional development? Um, Yeah, so the the Messy messy Math and Dirty Teaching series, um, that one's always a good one for just finding um, activities to do. Um, I'm really interested in diving more deeply into the First Voices website and the Museum of Anthropology websites, you know, going circling back to our the beginning of our conversation today about decolonization and, you know, what does that mean about learning, learning about the land that we live on and going through to authentic sources and really learning those stories behind um, the names of places. So I'm really excited to learn more about that and hopefully I can find some little tidbits that I can share with students through those websites. Um, Another book that I've been reading, I guess, pertains to a little bit of outdoor education, but I think as a school as a whole, um, is called Ensouling Our Schools. Um, What's the, um, it's called Ensouling Our Schools, a universally designed framework for mental health, well-being, and reconciliation. And it goes through um, the idea of stories 
and, and storying. And then the last book that I started to dive into um, is called Decolonizing Place in Early Childhood Education. And again, that talks about um, restoring the stories of garden and stories of place and land. Amazing. Mm -hmm. I have to admit that I have both ensouling our school and decolonizing place uh, on my desk in my office right now. So I'm also really excited to dig into those as well. Maybe we should start a book club. There we go. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> well, our time is going to come to an end. So I'd like to make sure that I have enough time to ask you if you have a novelty nature note you'd like to share with us. I do. Okay. So from our work, together from years ago you know that my nature name is Anna's hummingbird and they hold a special place in my heart and so as I was looking through um, I learned that the calliope hummingbird is the smallest um, hummingbird it's it sits at three inches long it only weighs one tenth of an ounce and it's usually found in central BC um, and because of their super short wingspan, when they flap their wings, they actually sound like bumblebees. Right. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Well, mine is uh, also about birds. It's going to be about robins because despite how much snow we have right now, uh, yesterday, I just saw about 10 robins in the bushes. Wow. They looked much bigger because of wintertime. They're fluffing up their feathers so much to keep warm. And they don't necessarily migrate, but they are technically nomadic because they, they go wherever they can find food. And instead of the typical worms that they would eat and the insects that they would eat in the summer, in the wintertime, they're eating more fruit off of the trees. Like we have oh. lots of snowberries and knick or the other name for knick is bearberries. So I just wanted to share that about robins because they are still out, even though we're not seeing a lot of them. Well, April, I do want to say a big thank you. It's so lovely to reconnect with you and collaborate. And I know your time is precious being a vice principal and with two young ones at home. So thank you so much. Thanks, Lauren. It's so good to connect. And it's always good to even just chat. I feel like I'm getting more ideas, you know, as we're chatting anyway. So thank no, you you have shared so many ideas with us so thank you so much and for everybody else if you'd like to follow april's journey you can follow her on twitter at april underscore pick so that's a p r i l underscore p i k k and i'll put that under the podcast notes for everyone so thank you for listening, subscribing to the podcast, and for all of those of you who have been giving us some five-star reviews, it's just been so lovely seeing all of those. So please reach out if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on a future episode. We love hearing stories about what you're doing outdoors with your learners. You can contact me through the website mentoringnatureconnections.ca. And until next time, go get your hands dirty and have fun with Mentoring Nature Connections.